is New York going to get out of this guy? Their captain, David Wright. And that brings up Jeter. Number two, Derek Jeter. Behind the back! See ya! See ya! See ya! Hello, New York, and welcome back to another episode of New York Take a Walk. As always, I am your host, Steve Durr, alongside Ethan Birch and Max Tanzer on this sad, sad episode of New York Take a Walk episode because New York baseball is not doing too well right now. Anyway, uh, we're back after a 50, the VIC 50 hour marathon. So we're excited to get into this one and pretty much vent about what's going on in New York baseball. I mean, right now the Mets are in first place at the end of the least, but that's also due to the fact they play the least amount of games. So the percentage is a little better than what they performed. And right now, as we record this, this is a pre-recorded episode. The Yankees are six in 11. Yes, six in 11. And then last in the AL East. And, and we're recording this on a Thursday. The Yankees lineup card was just dropped uh, before I give, it, give you guys the mic for a little bit. And I just want to read this. And this is, this is how bad we are with Yankee baseball right now. So leading off and left is Brett Gardner. This is tonight for the Thursday game against the uh, Cleveland Indians. So Gardner is leading off batting first. LeMahieu slides the two-hole, playing third. Judge DHing the three-hole. And this is where this is where it's just like piecing it randomly together. Mike Ford, first base, batting fourth. <laughs> oh, we're back to those days. Glaber Torres, fifth at short. Hicks, center field, six. Odor, seventh, second. Frazier, eighth and right. And Higashioka, ninth at catching. That's when you know this is pure desperate lineup with Stanton not clicking right now. Arshello just got hurt, who was the only Yankee hitting before this game consistently. LeMahieu has been hitting, but not at the way he's supposed to be, not the way that you extend it to. And uh, this is just disasterful right now. I, 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 yeah, this is just terrible. Yeah, no, it has to be disappointing as a Yankees fan, especially given the expectations we talked about it this entire offseason. You know, if you would have told me that Mike Ford on April 22nd would have been cleaning up, I would have said, oh, all right, more injuries for the Yankees. And there have been a couple, like you said, with Voight and Urshela that definitely have probably opened some doors for him. But this is a legitimate opportunity for him right here as the Yankees, like you said, are a little bit desperate right now, trying everything they can to get that offense clicking. And I think that's obviously been the biggest struggle for them. The bullpen's been very good. The rotation's been up and down for sure. Uh, obviously, you'd like to see a lot more from Montgomery. Herman, of course, was a question mark coming in. And Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. Uh, but uh, yeah, the offense needs to start clicking. And look, it's a 162-game season. I know that's a cliche. I know everyone's saying that right now, but it's true. If you look at the standings right now, this is not how it's going to finish. I would put a lot of money on that. And once the Yankees' bats get hot, I think they will be fine. Uh, but I don't blame Aaron Boone for mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, Wait, Ethan, uh, before, Ethan, before, I just need to say something because you just triggered me with Aaron Boone. Sorry, Ethan. But Aaron Boone, I'm getting tired of this nonsense. Uh, the same press conference over and over again. It's yes. really the same thing over and over again. He's like, you know, I believe in our guys and we're just one one moment away from clicking. Stop. Is Stop. there something specific you'd like to hear from him, though? That's I want question. him to be mad at the mic. Like, I want, like, elevated tone i want him to be screaming the mic like this is unacceptable this is he's he's not really saying this is unacceptable he's saying i trust my guys 
and they're going to click soon. Yes, the positivity, like the positivity outlook works. It does, but you got to change it up because if you go out to the media and you don't have to necessarily put players under the bus, you can only say our team here is built to win the championship. What they're doing out there is not championship level. And this is flat out unacceptable for the New York Yankees organization, considering they were heavy favorites with the, uh, to win the American league this year, considering a lot of teams in the American league digressed. And the Yankees hypothetically supposedly increased their abilities this year with their signings of Tyone and Kluber, with their signings of O'Day and Wilson out of the bullpen, with the lineup basically returning last year, extending LeMahieu. This is really just he's he's being too passive. He's not accepting the fact that what the Yankees are doing right now is terrible. Because they won, okay, they won the against the Braves on Tuesday, but they won three to one, and their only real offense was an Urshela solo blast to center. They got their runs because the Braves walked the bases loaded and walked in a run. And then it was a wild pitch. So that's two runs right there. And just so happened, Tyone had one of his best starts. It, it probably his best start as a Yankee so far. And yeah, it's pretty, I, I get what you're saying, Steve, because you want your manager to be, up, be as pissed as you are how the Yankees are performing. And it doesn't make sense that he goes out there and he's all mellow like that. But, you know, there's a lot of things not going right for the Yankees. And, what concerns me is their starting rotation because, yes, you just said Tyone went out there and threw a really good game, probably his best start, his last start out there. But other than that, I don't know if the Yankees have a, star, a two-pitcher right now. Who is the second guy to go out there? And I know Severino is going to be coming back down the road, and he can be that guy. But as of right now, I'm not relying on him because after Cole, I don't know who the Yankees are specifically relying on. We, we said that they addressed their pitching in the offseason. They definitely did. But those guys just aren't performing takeaway Tyone. I'm worried about Kluber a little bit. And Herman, I know he's getting another chance uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. So we'll see, at least when you listen to this episode, listen to viewers, you'll know how he did. But the Yankees are, the Yankees need him to do well. And the guys like Stanton who come up into the lineup and are a consistent 0 for 4 with the, the yeah, 1 for yeah, 4, yeah. with the, yeah, with the one for four every <laughs> twice a week with a home run. It's it's really unacceptable. To having it's getting old, man. It's getting old. It, it, it is. It, it seriously is. And the fact that Stanton comes up to the plate on any, any given night and looks like he's never played baseball before is, is a problem. No doubt about that. And, I, I, and again, I, I truly have faith that as the season, as we get deeper into the season, they'll start to click and things will start to get back to normal. I think what makes this so difficult is it's just happening at the very beginning of the season and there's nothing to base it off of. Obviously, a 6-11 and 11 start is a lot worse than going 6-11 and 11 in the middle of July. But the point is, is the Yankees have a pedigree. They have expectations right now, and they're not meeting yeah. those. They're not close exactly. to meeting those not right close. now, which is not the problem close. right here. I do have a positive outlook on their rotation. Kluber, I think, I, I don't know where he's going to be a few months from now, but at least good with flag, Tyone, flag. I think Tyone, if he's healthy, will be fine. Montgomery, I think, has a lot of promise. Uh, Severino, obviously, coming back. Debbie Garcia, of course, an option as well. Uh, King, uh, Ooh, I was following part. as well, could be a very interesting piece. Herman, I think, is running out of chances. Again, that's that's one I won't touch right there. But I think, the, rotation, I think the rotation's okay if their offense is showing up but it's not yeah ultimately, that's why it's exactly here's the thing also the here's an idea for spark and i know this might seem biased due to my love for davy garcia <laughs> give him a start because last year why when not? Yeah. Yeah, why not? he's a fan favorite everyone on yankees twitter loves him like barstool hubs uh john boyd media all the yankees people they love davy all the yankees fans love davy the yankees players love davy you're giving someone 
for the offense to rally around. Let's help out this kid. Let's help out this promising star. Great kid, great personality. Let's help him out. And the fans can rally behind Davey as well. It doesn't help when you have someone like Domingo Herman who has his off-the-field issues pitching out there because it's tough to play for someone who has those kinds of issues Herman has. And if you bring up Davey Garcia to give you maybe a spark start and he goes six innings, one run, and seven strikeouts and fires up the fan base and fires up the bench because everyone, everyone likes seeing the young kid do well. That could be a spark for the team. And this schedule coming up, they have, I think, believe they have 18 straight games coming up with no off days. And that means that I, the way that they're treating Kluber and Tyone, that they'll probably need to figure out a sixth starter. And that could be Dave Garcia. The Nick Nelson opener experiment did not go well against the Rays at all. But the Yankees right now, they got Cleveland, like I said, this this weekend with a four-game set, which includes Garrett Cole pitching against Shane Bieber, which will be really exciting. Probably a 1-0 game, realistically. And they play the Orioles, an- another four-game set. And then the Tigers. So this there's, there's is a, chance. a very... There's a chance for the Yankees to come back. This and- is a turnaround time. Detroit, Detroit really isn't... Like, they're clicking right now, but like... They're not as appealing as they're not uh, as appealing. Yeah, the exactly. Orioles are and still the Orioles. Cleveland, Cleveland's offense isn't that good. Their pitching is so really good. Their offense isn't that good. This is this is the time. If the Yankees get three of one, maybe in Cleveland, they have a four game set with the Orioles. They dominate the Orioles. Maybe get a sweep there. Like so, you know, you're back above 500. Then you have Detroit, and then you can get growing, and then you can get going. This is a good opportunity for them. If the I'm Yankees aren't. If I'm a Yankees fan right now, I think mid-May is where I want to see us sitting, getting back above 500 and starting to get back in the work of things again, right? Because again, like I said, it's just three weeks into April here. I think when you could start to realistically start to worry is if the Yankees are below 500 towards the end of May. That's when you start having to make big changes. And that's when maybe the philosophies or the approach, I should say, for a better term might change. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I think they absolutely have to take advantage of those series right here. And I think that is where it evens out a little bit. Of course, you would have loved to see them take those games against the Rays Mm -hmm. and the Blue Jays. But realistically, those are some good teams right there. And the fact that the Yankees really haven't gotten a break yet uh, like that in their schedule might help them a lot. Even though it is 18 straight in terms of competitiveness, that should be a good break for them. It's t- my fault. I believe it's 12 straight. I don't know why I said it. Well, I think it's oh, wait, Oh, whoa, whoa, wait. Actually, we're including the starts from yesterday. So I believe it's 14 straight. Okay, so 14. Four, but yes, eight, this is I, 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, 13. I wouldn't 13. be <laughs> at 13. All right. <laughs> well, regardless, I, I wouldn't be worried about the Yankees yet because, listen, as Max alluded to as well, you just got to give this time to the, you got to give the offense a little bit of time. And I know we're going to talk about this for the Mets as well, but. The offense just hasn't got it going yet. You guys, yeah, got a lot of guys hitting in the low 200s. But listen, the Yankees have had the best OP, average OPS plus in the league since the start of 2019. And as you guys know, that was barely any of the Yankee starters. Their big guns are here. And at least knocking on wood, they're in the lineup. So that's pretty good. I know some Yankee fans are upset about Judge not playing every once in a while. But who knows? Maybe this is precautionary for later in the year because you need them later in the year. Listen. Once this offense gets going, it's going to help out the rotation. It's going to help out everything because the Yankees bullpen has been phenomenal. In fact, phenomenal. they're the second really, best in really baseball good. right now. <laughs> Actually, second, <laughs> second best in baseball. So something went right so far for the Yankees in the offseason because yeah, that is clicking. They, oh, Darren, yeah, and they, they don't have Britain back yet Justin as well. Wilson. Uh-huh. So, back. I mean, all, all signs are showing great for the Yankees bullpen. Their lineup, I think, is just going to get going. It'll be a matter of time before uh, the Yankees start scoring in the first What are we inning. doing here? <laughs> yep, get it going. I don't know why Mike Ford's in the lineup after that 
great defensive play he had the other night where he uh, uh, well, misread that is, pop-up. This, but. He just got called up. This is like, all right, let's see what Ford can give us. Because at this point, Bruce retired. There's a spot open, and we need a first baseman. Yeah. Now Rochelle is hurt, so we can't – we need a third baseman, and LeMahieu's a third baseman. So now Ford is going to be being, getting even more time than probably <laughs> planned for the Yankees. Or, or Dor can maybe slide and play third. This is this is going to be weird. This is going to be weird, considering Rochelle's day-to-day, it looks like. But I really, about- really – don't know what to do. Yeah, Max. Think about the resurgence there will be in that Yankees lineup when hopefully Luke Voigt comes back. I think that'll be huge. Yeah. For that. That, that'll be a gift. I think people are almost forgetting about that Luke Voigt is out right now and the year yeah, he had last Mike year. Mike Ford again. in there. Princeton, <laughs> Princeton legend. No, yeah. And look, Mike Ford, you know, he's getting an opportunity right here. I'm rooting for him. I hope he could take advantage of it right oh, now. Oh, I'm rooting really- for him. <laughs> but, yes, and if you're a Yankees fan right now, you need Mike Ford to do well with how the rest of the offense has been looking the last couple of weeks here. But once Luke Voigt comes back, I think at that point you could hope that at least Judge will start to get back. And Judge has still been their best hitter offensively this year. The OPS at about 850-860, which is still very respectable. Obviously not the MVP numbers you would expect, but the other guys, you know, like your Glaber Torres is and your Stantons and so forth. Hopefully by the time Voigt comes back, those guys will start to heat up and then we'll see Murderer's Row again. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I, I I wouldn't be worried. All I'm saying is that I wouldn't be worried with where we're at right now. Listen, the Yankees are going to be the Yankees. Uh, when we're recording, there's only four games under 500, and I hate to use the ex- excuse, but there's over 90% Five. of the season left. Just give these guys give these guys a little bit of time. Um, I wouldn't be worried once Yorkers. again. Listen, I'd be we're worried when we're – max. we're impatient. I know, and and we'll and I'll get I'll rant in like five minutes when it's my turn. But literally, <laughs> listen, give Tyone and get and give Kluber eight or nine starts, and then we'll start worrying about their if their starting rotation is doomed. Uh, but I, like I hope hoping by then, hoping me. by then, hoping by then the offense gets going and it's not a problem. Tyone Tyone already won me. He can unless he shoots a nine ERA, he's won me. Anyway. Um, as you see, New York baseball is not doing hot right now as we are both not happy. As Ethan mentioned, he's going to go on a rant. Just when we come back from commercial break, it's time to talk about the New York Mets. So make sure you stay tuned right here on VIC Radio. This is New York Take a Walk. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hello, New York. We are back. New York, take a walk on this Saturday morning here on VIC Radio, pre-recorded on a Thursday. So our takes might be a little early. But at the time of we're recording, the Mets are in seven and six and in first place of the NL East, mainly because of them not playing that many games compared to every other team in the Major League Baseball. But they are in first. They're half game up against the Phillies who are in nine and nine. However, they have not looked good at all, especially offensively. The only bright spots that have been – there's three bright spots. I mean, the names go by Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, and Edwin Diaz. I think Ethan Birch can – all four. We'll give four. Brandon Nimmo. And then Walker. Maybe Tom Walker. But like, I'm, okay, we're giving too many – we're giving too many 
bright spots now. <laughs> anyway, Mets fans aren't happy with the performance <laughs> considering this is supposed to be Uncle Steve's big year, especially on the offensive side where everyone thought they'd have one of the deepest lineups in the game, not really performing. So, Ethan, I mean, yes, you're in first right now, but what can you take away from this early season start? You know, there's a lot to take away, Steve, and this is my rant time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it because – Right now, the Mets are not in a good spot. And I don't care if they're seven and six. They just haven't looked good. They haven't been hitting the ball. And defensively, we had a lot of concerns. And none of them were addressed. We needed a starting third baseman. We're like, all right, we're going to sacrifice the defense for J.D. Davis so we can have his bat in the line. Because realistically, this guy can rake. He's made four errors in the past two games. And it's just been an absolute nightmare. The Mets made four total errors Wednesday night against in a 16 to four loss against the Chicago Cubs in a game where they realistically should, this should never have happened. You would have been out of the seven run inning with only two or three runs. If JD Davis doesn't make an error and then another error by Lindor, when Lindor does a throwing error, two run score, it was just an absolute nightmare of a game, but I mean, it just, it needs to be turned around and defense is just something that we can talk about all day because whether you're a good defender or not, doesn't, it's not going to fix. It's not really necessarily going to change overnight when JD Davis is not going to wake up tomorrow and just be a gold glove third baseman. It's just not going to happen. But stuff we can talk about that can be fixed is the Mets hitting. Their hitting is terrible. McNeil's hitting in the 100s. Lindor's hitting low 200s after his three hit game yesterday. So he was already on the interstate. Alonzo is hitting low 200s, but he's been okay. He's hit three home runs so far this year. Dom Smith, supposed to be one of the best hitters on the team, if not the best hitter on the team, hitting low 200s. J.D. Davis, just off the end of the list, I said his bat. He's hitting 400. He's, in, he's okay. Nimmo has been hitting 400. But those are the only two guys. Conforto on the interstate. Pilar can't, can't hit if it was, was spoon-fed to him. There's, a, there's just a lot going on. But my bright side is that I think if the Mets offense – I think the Mets offense can get it going. What do you think, Max? Yes, I think, it, I think it's a carbon copy of what the New York Yankees are dealing with right now. I mean, you take a look mm-hmm. at Stan Torres, maybe Judge. Judge, I think, is doing a lot better than people think he is. But you look at that, compare it to guys like Lindor, Dominic Smith, Michael Conforto, who, you know, besides Lindor, who wasn't there, Conforto and Smith paced what was one of the best offenses statistically in Major League Baseball last year. And I think, again, we're just – it's the small sample size. I think this offense is capable of much larger things right now. And, again, the pitching has been there for the most part. You know, I know David Peterson has struggled a little bit. It did have a good start, if I'm correct, a couple outings ago. Uh, but, you know, Stroman's dominated, DeGrom is DeGrom, Taiwan Walker has been very promising as well. Uh, I think it only, it only can get better here for the Mets at this point. And again, if it's the end of May, that's my deadline. If it's the end of May and we're still dealing with these issues, yes, you could start to freak out a little bit. But we're just three weeks in. This is a tough stretch for the Mets and the Yankees, of course, right here. Uh, but the offense will start clicking and I think they'll be fine. What is discouraging is it appeared that Dominic Smith was getting off to a really good start at the beginning of the year was really good for the first couple of series, but has just cooled off tremendously over the last week and a half, two weeks or so. So you got to hope at least one or two guys can start to spark something right here and get some run support for that pitching, which has been good for the most part. Yeah. I mean, the pitching has been the brightest part. The the pitching has been the best part for the Mets. I mean, DeGrom at the top has his three starts have been phenomenal. He's going again Friday night. So You'll know his result by now. Stroman on Saturday, so he'll be pitching tonight. And those two have been extraordinary. They're both sub one in ERA right now, and I don't know it's only three starts in, but those guys have been, went out and gave the Mets a chance to win every time. Unfortunately, the Mets have lost two times for DeGrom, none for Stroman yet. Oh, breaking news. Just the Mets lose when DeGrom pitches. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, who would have guessed? But what I do want to say about the rotation is that 
I don't think people understand how good the Mets rotation may be come June. When Carrasco's back, he should be back within the next two or three weeks. He's progressing tremendously from his torn hamstring, partial tear. And Syndergaard comes back late May, early June. When those guys come back and Stroman's playing like this in a contract year, DeGrom is DeGrom. And you got Tywan Walker, who you alluded to earlier, Max, has been pretty, pretty solid. He's had looked like he's got an uptake in velocity. And he's looked really good. He's got a really good split finger working. Those are five guys that could be one of the best rotations in baseball. What Walker is expected to be your number five starter when the two Syndergaard and yeah. Carrasco come back. And he's been the three right now, and he's been pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think agree. Walker's been very encouraging. The fact that he's been able to stay healthy over the past 2020 season and so far this year, knock on wood, has been really, really encouraging. Just to take a look at the dominance of the Grom and Stroman together, it's the top two on this rotation. 40 innings combined, 46 combined strikeouts given up a combined three earned runs. And so check this out, guys. The ERA plus 100 is average for any pitcher in Major League Baseball, neutralizes it based on what stadium they're in and so forth. Uh, DeGrom casually at 856, that's 756% above average. And Marcus Stroman at 428, 328% above average. So you have two incredibly dominant guys. And I think this is, you know, I think this has been a long time coming. If you're Marcus Stroman right here, a guy who was an all-star in 2019, obviously took last year off. He's living up to that, whatever, about $18 million or whatever it was with the, with the option that they gave him going into free agency. Uh, so if he could keep that up and, you know, stick around at two, five, three, you know, and I, at the beginning of the year, I said that would have been a little bit generous, but that's what it's looking like so far. That could be monumental for this Mets team. It could be ridiculous. No doubt. They don't even need that. Realist. They don't they, need it. Yeah. <laughs> They want to do right now with the offense. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that because you know how good this rotation may get, and I mean, listen to what CC Sabathia said earlier in the year. He goes, I think this may be the year that we can finally see the Marcus Stroman we've all been waiting to see. And through three starts, he hasn't disappointed. If he pitches anywhere near this good, I'm not even saying, because he does, you're, what you're saying, Steve, is that he, obviously the Mets need him to perform, but they don't need him performing a .9 ERA. And barely no. and absolutely running through liners because when Syndergaard and Carrasco come back, I mean, his spot's going to be pushed back. The pressure's off him, but the fact that he's performing so well is so, so cool to see because once that I'm telling, I, I just believe it. I, I'm a true believer. And yes, I'm a fan of the team, but I'm a true believer that I think this offense will get going. Lindor had three hits on Wednesday night, including his first home run. And he came out in his post-game press conference and said, listen, like I just needed something to get me going. I think, uh, I think a lot of hits are going to start coming out of me and the whole lineup. Conforto is a guy that was expected to be, I mean, he was pretty much asking for a $150 million contract in the offseason. Now he's only hitting 170. When is he going to get it going? Jeff McNeil wanted to hit over a nice home run earlier this week. career. Home, Who, uh, Lindor. Maybe that can get him going in Chicago. Lindor. Oh yeah. His first career home run on Wednesday night. It was great. It was a it really a nice long. shot. One of his three hits. And just, I mean, it's just, I think it's just a matter of time. I think McNeil gets it going because come on. I think, I think we all understand that Conforto and McNeil aren't bad hitters. They just haven't got it going yet. And it's a lot of these guys. It's listen, you haven't played in front of fans in this in, in over a year. It's just a different experience. And I think there was a lot of excitement for the Mets coming in and a lot of high expectations. You know, when there's high expectations, that's when, that's when things go bad. So you know, maybe we can lean off the Mets for a, the Mets winning the World Series right away because that's what a lot of fan, Mets fans hope. And listen, I know I've sent predictions where I think the Mets can make the World Series. It doesn't mean I think they're going to win it automatically. I think it's going to—it's a process, and it's not going to happen overnight. But listen, they're still in first place. They still have so many more games left, and I'm, I'm really excited what, what the Mets are going to do this year. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I mean, 
it's still early on the off and this is this is what's a little interesting about this is because the messers get off to one of these hot starts and then when it comes to june they start to tumble all the way down so maybe yeah, this is, this maybe they're kind of doing some sort of reverse psychology here they're like all right let's go on to an iffy start and then we'll turn it up in june but then maybe we'll slump in august <laughs> but by yeah, then let, if let, we slump in that, august yeah. But by then, if we slump in August, it probably will be too late for the other teams to catch up and we'll be in the playoffs. So that is the recipe for the Mets maybe this year. That was the uh, 2007 New York Mets recipe. Be, be well, the best team in baseball game. until the last two months. Yeah, until the last two months of the season. Same with 2008. <laughs> Happened in 2008 yep. then. I, the collapse. I, the Mets, the bullpen is still a little shaky. I mean, Familia has been fine. It's really unfortunate when every yeah. every time I think familiar whenever I see familiar warm up in the bullpen when the Mets games on I just I just think in my head I'm like man he used to be he used to be so good like he used to be ridiculously good like 2000, 2015 2016 he is carrying that bullpen and he shows flashes of that sometimes when he's out there I mean he's had a, a, a most the majority of his appearances have been pretty solid but you just the problem is you just never know what kind of familiar you're gonna get. Um, Trevor May hasn't been amazing so far, but he's been solid. He'll get into his groove, I think. Loop has been okay. Um, other bullpen. Oh, Miguel Castro, I've actually he's done a phenomenal job. I think he. Yeah, he he got he got uh, tossed around once, but all of his other starts have been. I mean, appearance has been really well. And yeah. the beauty of Miguel Castro is he looks nasty. His stuff is filthy and nothing straight. Everything's moving around, which is obviously who Miguel Castro is, but. I think he looks really good. And don't forget, Seth Lugo is coming back in May. One of the arguably the best bullpen piece the Mets have will be returning. And imagine just how much. I mean, the Mets have three guys that are arguably the be best arms on their team. I mean, Lugo, I mean, these guys are going to be game changers. I really, I really believe that Lugo, Syndergaard, and Carrasco, those, those are guys we're going to see three times a week between the three of them, maybe in four if Lugo goes a couple times a week. Depends how long expected. Lugo goes. And, yeah, and, and, and that's what that's what's going to be so special about this Mets team come May because you know what they have. You know their offensive pieces, and at least you, ex you would hope that Conforto, McNeil, Lindor, and Alonso can turn it around and really play well, especially Dom Smith. And when and all of a sudden, you're, on, you're, you're doing well for the point when Carrasco comes in and you have, a never, you have an, extra, uh, an extra day with a, with a really good pitcher on the, on, the, on the mound. Lugo comes back, and all of a sudden, your eighth innings turn into – into breezes when he hands the ball off to Diaz and hopefully Diaz can do his job. And then Syndergaard comes back June and then you have one of the best pitchers on your team back into the thing. I mean, there, there, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the Mets and we can struggle now because listen, this was a tough little, this was a tough little stunt, stunt for the Mets. They have had six games canceled. They had to travel all the way to Colorado, play a series and then just go right to Chicago. Finally, they're coming home this weekend. They'll play a, um, which I'm expecting to be a really good series. The Grom, Stroman and Walker, against the Nationals Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is a chance for, regardless if the Mets end up winning Thursday night against the Cubs, they need to get back on track this weekend. And, you know, don't dig yourself in too much of a hole, too, because you don't want to absolutely blow it for the chance when Syndergaard comes back and all of a sudden the Mets dug themselves in too big of a hole, they can't make it out of the NL East anymore because that's what has happened, highlighted by 2019. They were the best team in baseball from August to September, but they somehow were unable to make the playoffs. And that's because they dug themselves into a hole. But you would hope that the Mets weren't able to do that because at this point, I just want to see them sneak into the playoffs because a wild card game, you got the Grom on the mound and you give yourself a chance in a series. Yeah, and I think I think I think you know it feels like they might be three and ten, three and eleven right now, just because of what the expectations were coming into twenty twenty one. 
they're seven and six right now as of Thursday. So they still have a chance to go either of two ways right now. And like Ethan said, if you go backwards, you are going to dig yourself into a hole and you're just going to make a large deficit for yourself to that. One of the most competitive divisions in baseball. Lucky for them, the Braves have been in, in a rut themselves. The Phillies are just hovering around 500. The Nationals haven't been fantastic. The Marlins have been pretty interesting, actually. I don't think that'll be sustainable, but their pitching staff has been very promising. So I think the Mets will be fine. They still have control of their own destiny. Plenty of games against the Braves and the Phillies still, and plenty of time left, and they're still at a fine spot at 7-6. and six. I really do think they'll be fine. Plus, like you said, reinforcements coming back, just like the Yankees as well. Both of them are in very, very similar situations, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think both of them will be fine crazy. by midsummer. Yeah, I mean, the Mets, I'm not really too worried about, honestly. When you talked about Seth Lugo before, Ethan, I wanted to say he's in the postseason. The Mets make the postseason. He can be a nice two-inning bridge that could be expected to go two innings in the postseason, and that yeah. would be he can more even than enough. They, they, yeah. they tried to stretch him out last year. I, don't, I think they're going to put him right back into that kind of setup spot where he can go the seventh and the eighth inning. But, I mean, you're right in playoff games. Those are, those are huge. Yeah, I guess we'll see. When we come back here on New York Take a Walk, we will – give you all a nice major league baseball league update. So make sure to stay tuned right here on VIC. VIC radio is the voice of Ithaca college. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community. I see random acts of kindness club meets every Monday from eight to 9 PM in the business school room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hello, New York, and welcome back to this episode of New York Take a Walk, pre-recorded here on VIC Radio. This is pre-recorded on a Thursday evening. This, will be bro- this is broadcasting today here on Saturday, April 24th. So our takes might be a little old, but thank you for always tuning in. Max Tanzer, Ethan Birch alongside me. I'm Steve Durr. And you just heard our nice New York baseball rant from both the Yankees and Mets perspective. So let's just go on now and talk about Major League Baseball as a whole. I first want to talk about the viewership. This is, have been the most streamed baseball season in its history so far. And there's people out there who say that baseball is a dying sport, but I think with the streaming numbers that are occurring this year, I don't think you can say that anymore. No, it's no, great news to hear, yeah. especially give it off of it's coming off of LB TV, which is a subscription based platform. So people have to pay for it. So imagine what the numbers would be LB if this TV, is free. <laughs> imagine what the numbers would be if there weren't blackout restrictions. That's a whole another conversation. We'll get to that another That's time. That's going to be the, but, um, yeah. That's got to be the worst thing ever, right? It is. It is. And thank goodness in Ithaca here, I'm away from Seattle so I can watch the games here. Always get your Mariners. (laughs) Yes. But, no, I think this is fantastic news for baseball. I do think it's sort of a false narrative that it's dying. Yes, maybe the NBA and the NFL are passing MLB at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And statistically, I think that might be proven. But baseball is not going to go bankrupt. There's still such a large, passionate fan base, and it's still one of the most popular sports out there on this entire country, if not the entire planet. Uh, so I think they'll be fine, especially moving forward here. They're doing a good job with the marketing and trying to get younger personalities out there and really attract the younger generation. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't even think they've hit their full capacity yet in how they could market the game. And the fact that they've really just started this trend or this, I should say, approach to it uh, and that the numbers are coming back this quickly is really encouraging. 
I agree. I mean, I listen, people who say that, I just don't think know exactly what they're talking about because, listen, baseball has been hot recently, especially this season. And you're right, Max, all this young talent is, like, so attracting to the kids our age. They love the bat flips and they love the 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. And these, and they love the young kids who could come out here, like Crochet and uh, Kopech, who come out here and just consistently chuck 100 miles per hour. That's what people want to watch. And that's not only kids, that's adults. And that's people who are just fascinated by the sport. And yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with the fact that this sport's dying. I think if anything, it's on the incline because of how much young players we have. I mean, incline, it's baby. just so exciting. Every every one of these teams, it just feels like every team has been getting just another superstar and it's making the league really competitive. And we see teams that we weren't expecting to be in first place right now because of that. And, you know, you got guys like Tatis and Soto and Lindor and judge and guys that are just really, really good for the game. And they're fun to watch and they're exciting, especially when they're in big places where judge you can watch. It's not fun to watch right now. I do not like seeing him strike out all this times <laughs> and, and same actually, with Lindor, but horrible, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? The I point mean, is, is that what they're capable of is amazing. It's extraordinary can, to watch. Uh, absolutely. I think the key is that you're seeing more players express passion when they're playing in these regular season games. Part of this 162 game stretch. For look example, at Bauer. Can, look at Trevor Bauer. Can, Trevor Bauer himself. I'm talking about, I'll give you an example, literally from New York baseball. McCann throws out the run to end the game for the Mets against the Colorado Rockies. You see Lindor literally pounding his chest, screaming for like 10 seconds. And this is a regular, this is what, like the eighth game of the year, or the seventh game of the year for the Mets. <laughs> it's like, like, the, it's like the 11th game past, of the year for the Mets. In years past, it'd be like, nice fist bump, game over. But keep showing that keep showing that passion throughout the year. If, they, if baseball players are able to show that they're having fun on the field, that they can get fired up like this easily every night in and night out over the long 162 game season, I think that's going to be amazing for the sport. Yeah. One, it's more convincing that these games matter. And, you know, while in the grand scheme of things, it might be hard to believe that I do personally believe that every game is important, but two, you feed off of that when you're watching the game. If you have uh, Pedro Baez, for example, who, takes what seems like an hour between pitches up there you know it sort of does lose that flair right but if even if the game is somewhat slow and obviously it takes time in between pitches you have Marcus Stroman you know strutting off the mound after every inning moonwalking or pounding his chest or whatever it may be uh, that's fun and that's what you're looking forward to and I think you know when we watch baseball you know we know it so well you know we're anticipating those big moments we know when they're coming and that's why we come back to watch every time but not every new viewer knows that, especially the younger generation. So if we could give them more reasons to watch visually, then they'll get attracted to the game and then they'll learn more about it and fall in love with it. And I think that's the big formula right there. Let's just move on forward to some highlights of them noticing. One is that the Boston Red Sox are in first place in the American Leagues. And we did talk about how they actually could be a good team this year. They're at 11 and seven. Their offense is showing in. The difference is their pitching is performing well, especially compared to last year when they were horrible and the offense was there last year that actually led the american league in hits they just they just the pitching was just that bad so if the pitching can hold up excuse me the red sox are actually 12 and 7 uh but if their pitching can hold up they will be good this year but the thing is i just don't think that pitching is gonna hold up uh another headline to talk about is the dodgers on this amazing 14 and 4 pace and will they potentially break the 2001 mariners record for the regular season i guess we'll see and they already had a thrilling series against the padres who sit at 10 and 10 right now so we got 16 more games of that to watch. That's Four starting so, this so weekend. Cool. Four starting this weekend, starting tonight, actually, as we record this on a Thursday. This is really exciting. Uh, Oakland A's are on an 11-game winning streak. This is turning to the money ball part two after starting off one and seven. This is this is there's some exciting baseball going around going on around the league. 
Definitely. And I think I, I think I said this earlier, if you look at the standings right now, I don't think it's going to end this way. You know, the Red Sox, I even said it before, they're a very, very good team. I don't expect them to win 100-plus games this year. If they do, good for them. But realistically speaking, I don't know if the success they've had on the pitching side of things is completely sustainable. I like guys like Nick Pavetta and so forth, and Rodriguez coming back. That's awesome. They'll get Sale back in the middle of the year, hopefully, as well. That's really encouraging, but more of the bullpen. I know Barnes has success. success excuse me. That's a big question mark. But let's talk about teams, I mean, like, the Royals, we'll talk about the Mariners a little bit later. Um, the Twins in last place right now. The Reds having a really good start to the year. The Giants are 11-7 and seven on Thursday, coming into Thursday. There's some really interesting uh, standing situations right now, teams that are at the top that I don't think a lot of people expected. Again, I don't know if it will stay that way, but really fun to see these teams jumping out. I mean, even look at the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals were supposedly and maybe even favored to win this division because that division was kind of up for grabs. They're, they're eight and 10 sitting at the bottom of that division. And the way you look at it, I guarantee Brewers, Reds, Pirates, Cubs, and Cardinals in that order will never stand. These guys are so tightly packed that Max, you're right, that that is going to be mixed up like crazy. And I mean, even the Braves got are off to a sluggish start, eight and 10. We didn't expect that. All of us, I believe, maybe except for Max. Matt, did you predict the Mets to win the division? Because me and I know me and Steve did at least, and I said Braves win the division. Yeah. Oh, oh, so all we, three of us actually. Can we go with an that. alert here? Yeah. Speaking of the Mets, quickly, lineup is out for the Mets, and no Brandon Nimmo again. Back to back days this is on a Thursday as we announce this, of course, or talk about a radio show. Guillerme is in the leadoff spot tonight for the Mets, batting, uh, playing third. Uh, Lindor second, that's short. Smith third and left. Alonzo. Cleanup, Conforto, fifth, McCann, sixth, VR at second, seventh, and P- and Pilar at eighth and center. But once again, Nimmo not in the lineup. Now do we concern are you concerned if you're a Mets fan? This is this is back to back and he's been your best hitter. Maybe he's hurt. Yeah, well, well, yeah, he may be hurt. And I know that there was something that they were more cautious about, more or less than him not being an option because he was available off the bench yesterday, and I'm pretty sure he will be again. But another guy to not who's not in the lineup as well as VR VR's playing second. So McNeil after he was had some a couple misconfusions with Conforto yesterday. I mean that's Conforto, excuse me. Francisco Lindor at short. They he's he's taking a day off. And as we said before, he's struggling tremendously. But I'm a little confused why they keep giving him the day off. You would think that one of your best hitters, you you keep him in the lineup for a really long time and hopefully he gets hot. The guy who I would give a day off maybe is Conforto, but they haven't had that option yet. So it definitely interesting stuff there. Crossing our fingers for no injury, though, obviously, with Brandon Nimmo, Steve. You wonder if Rojas comes out and says something about this. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the Dodgers and just how good they are. This is the most insane. This is this is really – this. they're actually having the most fun team to watch in baseball. They just, they're having a good time while winning all these games, and they're still – it does seem like they're still highly motivated to get that back-to-back World Series championship. Yeah, no, you're right, Steve. And I think you look at this lineup up and down, one through nine in their, in their batting lineup, uh, the rotation as well. It's like an all-star team. And look, they've been without guys like Cody Bellinger so far. Mookie Betts has been in and out with a couple of day-to-day entries as well. Uh, but you have Will Smith, who's make, made major adjustments and has turned himself into one of the better catchers in the game. Muncy, Seager, of course. Lux is on the IL right now, which is disappointing. But he's a top prospect. Turner, of course. And then Pollock, Taylor, and McKinstry, in your outfield without Betts and Bellinger playing every single day. And yet they're still one of the best teams or the best team in baseball. And I'm, in my opinion, I don't think there's any argument against that. Uh, And I think they could have a shot at breaking the Mariners single season record of 116 wins. I think that is still one of the hardest records to break. Uh, 
it's going to be difficult for them. And obviously we'll see what it's looking like come August, September, but um, we'll see. They're, they're a powerhouse team, the best team I've ever watched in my time following baseball. I agree too. I don't think there's any team that I've ever seen that has been as good as this team. You don't get a break in their lineup and their pitching staff is unbelievable. I mean, their pitching staff was really, really good last year. And then they added the reigning Cy Young award winner. So I don't know what most of us were expecting, but literally a 14 and four start, if not maybe even better. And I mean, the craziest part is that the team is just so hard to beat. I mean, just look at the Padres series. Literally, the Padres came, a t- Tommy Pham ripped a, uh, a, a sinking line drive into right center. You would think down two runs with second and third that that would land for a game-tying hit in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. But Mookie Betts, who's actually not even – is playing out of position at the point because he plays right field for the Dodgers, but with Bellinger out, he moved over to center, and he made one of the most unbelievable catches, which literally flashed me back to Andrew Benatendi in the 2019-2018 playoffs when he robbed uh, what's it, Alex Bregman of a game-winning hit in the World Series and won the game, something like that crazy. And – it's, it's, it's just unbelievable because their bullpen is so good as well. I mean, they finish off with Jansen and Jansen's been good this year and guys like Victor Gonzalez as well. Phenomenal. He's a left-handed arm. You just don't get breaks with this team. And a team like this is, is like a perfect formula for a team that you would build up to break that record because yeah, you don't, you're not going to see a regular, agree, you're yeah. not going to see a regular team just go out there and, and win 117 games. It's not going to happen. But when you have a team like the Dodgers, who's well formulated, they're a world series. They already won the world series once and their pitching is that good. Their bullpen's that good. And their lineup's even better. It's one of the most perfect formulas. No doubt. You know, and I think Jansen's a really interesting guy to follow. He obviously had some large difficulties in the postseason last year, the velo drop. It's back up against the Mariners the other day. He's sitting 95 to 97. His cutter is his best. It's the best it's ever looked, in my opinion, or at least it's the best since, you know, it's looked in the last couple of years or so. That's a guy that they that could be huge for them this season. They haven't really even had the opportunity to throw Gratterall too much this year so far, just two-thirds of an inning. Trinan coming back. Uh, Ken Nabel has been really good, a guy who they acquired mm, from the Brewers yeah, earlier. Yeah, Ken Nabel's been really, really season. good. That was a great low-key acquisition. He's always been a good reliever. Definitely, definitely. Dennis Santana, while the numbers you know, don't look fantastic so far, has really, really good stuff. Obviously got to have a mammoth jam against the Padres in that series in an extra inning ball game back in San Diego. Uh, not to even speak about that they have David Price in their bullpen right now, Tony Gonsolin in their bullpen right now, and Dustin May and Julio Arias, the back of the rotation. Those two guys arguably are one and twos on the majority of teams in Major League Baseball, if maybe two or threes more realistically, but my point made. So much depth, more depth than I've ever seen. And the fact that they've had three or four guys get hurt and they're still beating teams convincingly is quite, quite encouraging if you're a Dodgers fan. Not those Mariners are not convincingly beat those Mariners. That's you know, true. Mariners did have, they did have a victory against them and they also had a one nothing loss against them. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's some promising, promising baseball, Max, from your Mariners. And Honestly, that leads me right to break because when we come back, you know, this is uh, Max's last episode in Ithaca. But anyway, we'll talk more about it when we come back from commercial. When we come back, Max's Mariners Talk Extended Edition right here on VIC Radio. This is New York Take a Walk. Make sure to stay tuned here on VIC. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. 
They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding healthcare. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow IC Generation Action on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hello, New York, and welcome back to this episode of New York Take a Walk. As always, I'm your host, Steve Durr, alongside Max Stanzer and Ethan Birch here with you on this Saturday morning, pre-recorded on a Thursday, though, this week. Uh, so we got before we get into some baseball talk, we got some news coming from our show. Max Tanzer will be leaving us for the semester. Uh, potentially will be joining us for some of our remote shows, but big congrats to him as once again, this will be his second year this upcoming summer being the lead broadcaster for the Source Valley Sabre Dogs in North Dakota. They are in the Expedition League, and Ethan and I are always just so proud of him uh, and all his like, great accomplishments. Um, and Max, this is like my last show to do doing with you in Ithaca while well, we're all in Ithaca as I'll be graduating. It's definitely a little tough. You know, we've been great teammates over the past few years. One of my favorite catchers, if not my favorite catcher to ever catch when I pitch. And it's been phenomenal doing these shows with you here, but I'm so happy for you. It sucks that you're leaving this early, but you, you make a great impact on this show and wow. New York Take Wall can't have this success without you. Wow, I was not expecting that. That that means a lot. That means a lot. Um, and I'm proud of you guys too. What are you talking about? This is it's been so much fun working with you guys, and definitely coming on remotely. But uh, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully keep the show going for you too once you leave. Steve. Uh, it's definitely gonna be different without you, but we could not have done it without you. So thank you for that. And we're not at the last Absolutely. show yet. We don't have to get we don't have to get in this me talk yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Little, but yeah, you're no. right. We'll we'll have something planned for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. Oh yeah. Yeah, next week we got to do something special because I believe this is our second to last show. But from what we've had, the three of us, I think we've we've made something special that's going to last a while. And I know all of us are going on and working with baseball teams this summer. So hopefully we're we're we're, we're all in good hands. So I'm I'm really excited for to see what all three of us are going to do. We've formulated something special here. Yeah, we have. This is going to be crazy. We're not getting to the sentimental talk here, but in honor of Max's last show in Ithaca, and. And somehow, in honor that the at this time, as we record the show, that the Mariners are a half game out of first place. At one point, though, in first place for the majority of the season, due to except for the A's because of the A's uh, eleven game winning streak. That's the reason why they're not. Anyway, due to the Mariners' great success, I've told Max he can get his extended Max's Mariners talk for this whole block four segment that we have on this show. And he's smiling. You know, this is the greatest honor to get to have an extended Max's Mariners talk. <laughs> So it's Max has always Max is always informed the fans on what's going on in Mariners world because right now it's popping and the streets the streets are they're flooding. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> well, I'll tell this you something. Greatest. I don't want to get too optimistic because Mariners are rebuilding. They're very young, and that's why I think it's going to be hard to sustain this. But to be an optimistic person right here, I'm very encouraged the fact that the chemistry is going very well. Uh, they're winning together. They love each other, uh, which is really the most important thing when you have the core of your team coming up, because this really is the core. Obviously, Kelnick hasn't come up yet. Julio Rodriguez, Hancock, Gilbert, Kirby, so forth. There's still plenty of guys to come. But when you talk about the core of your Kyle Lewis's, your Evan White's, and so forth, Marco Gonzalez even leading the way rotationally, Justice Sheffield, all of those guys together combined with everyone else, uh, it's been very encouraging to see. You know, It seems that they're playing with a lot of heart. 
a lot of emotion right now. Uh, but more speaking to the intangibles, the statistical um, side of things, the Mariners have been doing very good as well, 11-7 and seven this year. The run differential is at negative three, of course, which isn't fantastic, which probably shows it's not as sustainable. But the most impressive part to me has been the bullpen. This was something that Jerry Depoto this offseason said he was going to address and really didn't too much. He brought in guys like Keenan Milton, Rule, uh, Will Vest, excuse me, a Rule 5 draft pick and so forth, uh, bringing in Rafael Montero, former Met. I'm sure many are familiar with the name. Uh, so... Mariners fans were a little disappointed. You didn't get a Liam Hendricks. You didn't get a Kirby Yates or a Trevor Hoffman. Thank goodness they didn't go for any of those two last two because they're hurt now. My point is, is it wasn't a very flashy offseason, the bullpen side of things, but the bullpen has been nothing short of fantastic dominant, really. They're just short of 20 consecutive scoreless innings from their bullpen arms this past week here. Uh, hopefully they can keep that going against the Red Sox tonight, as again, this is recorded on Thursday. But just take a look at some of the lines here. Rafael Montero, 289 ERA, and that's a couple blown saves already this year will vest the rule five draft pick has given up just one run in nine and two-thirds of an innings work kendall grayman Pro graveman excuse me probably the most impressive piece of this the mariners signed him last year going into 2020 to be a starter started the season as a starter got hurt came back as a reliever throwing harder really good sinker slider uh, and has been so good seven and two-third thirds of an innings pitch has not allowed a run just yet uh, has had a couple save opportunities as well which has been very encouraging executed both of them Casey Sadler a high spin curve and fastball guy who they got uh, a couple years ago had a really good year with the Dodgers back in 2017 then started to veer off a little bit but it looks like he's starting to bottle that up again Anthony Meshev is coming back my point is, is this bullpen has been very good again very young small sample size so we'll see how it long or how it lasts in the long run here but they've been able to help the Mariners stay in games which has been very important because the Mariners offense has really clicked in the back third of every ball game they've played in really you know you even take a look at that game against the Dodgers earlier this week they scored early and then the bullpen was able to hold it very late to hold on and win it 4-3 and it got close don't get me wrong Rafael Montero had to induce a 4-6-3 double play ball to save it uh, but the point is that they they are sticking in these ball games have a lot of resilience and they're winning together so positive, so positive. I haven't even so happy. The offense I love this. Max is happy right now. <laughs> and I think look, we're seeing the smiles that Ethan, Ethan and I are displaying because we're so happy about how happy you are as a Mariners fan right now. Yes. I mean, I mean, yeah, and I, was thinking of, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, the last two and a half years or so, it's been harder for me to watch in a way because I still am into it but it's a different way of watching because they're rebuilding. So if the Mariners lose, I'm not that upset about it because I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not necessarily the priority at that point. And, you know, the priority is getting the young guys opportunities to play. So I was watching it more individually, right? If Kyle Lewis had a good night, if a white had a good night, just as Sheffield went six innings of three run ball, if they still lost, I'd be happy and satisfied with that. But I was listening to that Dodgers game on the radio uh, the other night on Tuesday night, it was like one 20 in the morning. And my heart was pounding out of my chest. And I'll tell you, I haven't felt that feeling since 2018. And it was just wonderful to have that oh. feeling back, which scares me, guys, because <laughs> that knows yeah. I'm getting dangerous, teased. Max. You're getting teased right now, Max. I'm thinking about teased. <laughs> I, I am getting teased because it's going to be very hard for them to sustain this. And I'm not saying they can't do it, but they're a very young so You're team. saying they can't do it? No, I'm just saying it's very unlikely. I mean, if you look at the offense. Oh, so you're saying they can't do it? It, Steve, let's, let's go deeper into it here. If you look at the offensive side of things, it's been three players. It's been Kyle Seeger, Mitch Hanniger, and Ty France. Ty France has been phenomenal. Phenomenal. 
a 922 OPS. He's hitting 306 with three homers and 10 RBIs. Hit 399 in the PCL about two years ago. I think people forget that. Hit with Tony Gwynn when he was back uh, at, in college in San Diego. Mitch Hanniger, comeback player of the year candidate in 18 games so far, hitting 315, four homers, 14 RBIs, slugging 575, an OPS of 909. Those two combined at the top of the order have been fantastic. Not to add that Kyle Lewis uh, is just coming back now off the IL after that knee injury. Uh, Taylor Trammell. It's been a little bit up and down. The strikeout numbers are up. He could probably use another stint in AAA at this point, but he's had some bright moments, three homers so far, including one off of Dustin May. Kyle Seager's cooled off a bit, got off to a really good start, um, and is still doing well. Two homers, 12 RBIs, hitting 224, slugging 373. So you'd like to see that up a little bit. But besides that, there hasn't been that much of a contribution on any side of the offensive uh, side of the ball so far this season. It's really been, I would even say, just two and a half guys. Kyle Seager contributing a decent amount, and then Mitch Hanniger, Ty France leading the way. So if the Mariners want to sustain this, other guys are going to have to contribute. The positive is Lewis is back, and Jared Kelnick is right on the cusp. He'll probably be up at you, a couple you, weeks you, by the you early. Think, you think? Why Why in a couple weeks, though? I, I think because he's getting the minor league at-bats back in Arizona right now. They specifically did not send him to the alternate site, but kept him in Arizona to get actual live at-bats against different arms because he's already seen the Mariners minor league arms so many times because he spent the entire season last year in Tacoma at the alternate site. Uh, and I do, I do think he's ready. And I think they know that. And I think obviously the service time manipulation played a role. We've talked about it too many times in this show already, uh, but I think they're ready to bring him up at some time around mid-May at the earliest. He'll be up probably by the end of June at the very latest. That would be my safe assumption. And he's been ready since last year. So he'll be ready to go. You think, uh, how do you think he'll perform? And where do you think if you're the, if you're the Mariners, where do you slot him in the lineup? I, I, it's just interesting. Why would you even bring up Kelnick at this point, considering how well they're doing? I mean, if they continue this trend, why do you try to fix it? Why you have a perfect excuse? You have a perfect excuse to keep him in the minor leagues at this point for this whole time manipulation thing. So well, it's already done. That's already done. Yeah, it's so already done, I was going to say. The, the, yeah. okay, it yeah. was the third week of the season was the week where they had already passed. So now if the Mariners were to call him up at any point now, it would be virtually impossible for him to encompass one full year of service. So therefore, they've already done it. So he could come up at any point now. I think they still want to give him some minor league at-bats because it was pushed back in that Arizona league a couple weeks ago uh, due to some COVID issues. But I'm excited to see him coming up in a couple weeks here. And I, I don't know where they'll put him in the lineup, but I think the big reason why he could impact mm-hmm. his offense is because – Tramel, I love him, but I don't think he's ready yet. A lot of strikeouts, and I just think he needs to get a little bit more uh, accustomed to big league pitching. And you could argue that you could keep him in the big leagues at that point to help that out a little bit. Jake Fraley, I think he's running out of opportunities. Jose Marmalejos has been such a pleasant surprise for us this year. Was out of options, almost got DFA'd, hit 212 this year, or is hitting 212 this year, slugging 545 with a few homers as well. Uh, but I think I think Kelnick is that one piece left in the outfield right now. And I think they want to give him big league at-bats. It was just the service time manipulation combined with the lower body injury and in spring training that really pushed it back yeah, a little bit. That makes sense. Okay. Um, with James Paxton as well, he's now officially out for the rest of the year. Sad news for the Mariners. They got him one start, didn't go too well, comes injured. Just an unfortunate story considering the former Yankees as well. His ability to stay healthy, and it's really just showing once again uh, as a huge issue for his career. And I, I don't know what the next steps are for Paxton, if you are James Paxton. It's heartbreaking, right? You know, and it's a one-year deal. So, I mean, if the Mariners want to bring him back next year, they can. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did. The only thing that's holding them back is that there's just so many other young arms. And if you want to yeah. take one positive out of this, and again – 
this is not a positive for the Mariners. James Paxton is supposed to play a pivotal role this season, especially looking at it now where they are right now. They could definitely use Paxton, but they're still going with their six-man rotation right now. It's currently Nick Margavichis who has that spot. Logan Gilbert, a top prospect, top 100 prospect in Major League Baseball, is uh, predict or they he should be coming up at some point this season. Now the Mariners already have an innings plan for him, and they said they want the majority of those innings to be at the big league level. So with the Paxton injury, that really does allow Gilbert to get some time here, probably a little bit sooner, honestly, because before that it was jam-packed and really the one guy that probably would have been pushed out for Gilbert is Justin Dunn. But now that Paxton is hurt, Justin Dunn will still get a legitimate opportunity here uh, to pitch in this rotation. Uh, but other pleasant surprises in that rotation, Chris, Chris Flexen coming over from the KBO, former Met, of course, uh, three, three, eight year and three starts so far. Two of those three starts have been very, very good. Uh, 16 innings. So again, a small sample Sheffield has been a little bit up and down. The command has been a bit of a struggle, uh, seven walks and 16 and two thirds of an innings pitch, but I think he'll bounce back. Kikuchi, don't let the four, seven, four ERA mislead you really good stuff. His first two starts were really, really good. Unfortunately he had a tough, inning against the Giants in his, pre, or in his oh, first yeah. start where he gave him a couple home I runs. I saw that one. <laughs> and then the second start against the Twins was very solid, kept them in that ballgame. The Mariners would eventually go to win in extra innings. The last one against the Astros uh, was very, very good until about the sixth or seventh inning when he gave up a couple runs. Their peripheral numbers, the stack cast numbers, support that he should be one of the more dominant pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, and I think he will end up becoming, I don't want to say the most dominant pitcher in baseball, but a very formidable mid middle of the rotation type arm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the most positive Max Mariners talk we've ever had. So <laughs> things are clearly pointing up in the Mariners' direction. I guess we'll see how the season unfolds. But uh, like I said before, this is Max's last show in Ithaca uh, with me, especially. This is definitely a little emotional right now. Uh, Max, once again, I thank you for uh, joining New York Take a Walk when I asked you when you were a freshman. Thank you for uh, the you opportunity, were, really. You, thank you, you. Were, you seemed very yeah, surprised was- that you uh, – that you got it like um i knew right away i wanted you along with ethan birch but you know we'll get to his little little my story my sob story is next week yeah you got your little sob story another time but <laughs> max i think you'll have more remote shows uh with us for the rest of this year but that will wrap up this week's episode of new york take a walk as always i'm your host steve Dare, alongside max tens and ethan birch thank you always for tuning in and taking your time out of your saturday mornings to spend with us uh for all of us i'm steve Dare and New York, take a walk. Enjoy your weekend. BIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding healthcare. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. in Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow icgenerationaction on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? 
email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Hey besties, if you love VIC Radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio, or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station.